0: Good morning and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your hosts, I'm Abby, And I'm Erica. Today I'm going to be telling you guys about the disappearance of Brian Schaefer. So brew up some coffee and let's dive in.
1: Before we get started in this episode, I just want to let you guys know to go check out our Monday mini if you have not already. So the mini that released this last Monday is a special announcement where we let you guys know that we have recently started a Patreon. And this is going to be going live as of February 1st, this Monday. All of our minis are going to be moving over to Patreon and being available to our patrons only. If you guys are interested in our Monday minis or getting episodes a day early or some extra monthly episodes, you can go check out our Patreon at patreon.com and just type in Crime Over Coffee. You can also listen to our last episode for more information about the tears. and they're also listed, of course, on our Patreon page.
2: With that in mind, we want to give a big thank you to our first official patron, Lindsay G. Thank you very much for signing up, and we hope to see more of you over there.
1: Thank you, guys. This episode is actually a case suggestion from one of our listeners, Deborah D. So, thank you, Deborah, And for anybody else that wants to send in case suggestions, you can send those to Instagram, Facebook... And our email in 2006, Brian Schaefer was 27 years old and attending Ohio State University, where he was studying medicine. At this point, he was finishing his second year and already had a degree in microbiology. He was dating a girl named Alexis Wagner, and she was also at the same place studying to be a doctor. Brian and Alexis were getting ready to head to Miami for spring break on April 3rd, 2006, and. A lot of people were pretty sure that Brian was going to propose to Alexis during this vacation. He had kind of had a lot of discussion about it, and they'd been together for a while. So Brian was specifically really looking forward to this vacation because he had had a rough year already. In March of that year, his mom had just died from myelodysplasia, which is a type of cancer. And he had been really close to his mother, so that was a very hard thing for him to go through. On Friday, March 31st, 2006, Brian's classes had just ended and spring break was starting. So that night, him and his father, Randy, went out to dinner to celebrate the start of a break. And so they went and got steaks together. And it was just supposed to be a fun night where they were going to eat some good food, have some good conversation. And Randy said that when they were out to dinner, Brian looked really exhausted after having a full week of midterms.
0: And Abby, you're in school, so... You can attest to that, I'm sure. Dear Lord, yes, I can. It's definitely tiring, especially if you uh, are a procrastinator like me and wait to do all your projects till the end of your term. It's definitely not something I miss. (laughs) (laughs) I love it and I hate it all in one. Obviously, I'm, I'm interested in school if I'm still going. But I can understand him being tired, looking tired and like just being kind of drained from it.
1: And regardless of how drained he was, Brian still had plans to go out with friends after dinner with his dad. And that's what he told his dad was, hey, I'm going to go out with my friends tonight and we're just going to have some fun, have some drinks. And that's it. Around nine o'clock at night, Brian ended up meeting up with his friend, William Florence, who goes by Clint. So I'm going to refer to him as Clint. I'm assuming a middle name. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny because
0: I don't I yeah. I, I don't know. I will tell you, I have met so many people where they're like, this is my buddy, so-and-so, but we call him this. And I'm like, why? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I hope Clint isn't his middle name because that's just a beautiful nickname to come up with. Exactly.
1: So Brian and Clint, we're going to go to the Ugly Tuna Saluna in downtown <laughs> Columbus, Ohio. Sure, as you do. <laughs> I thought it was the funniest name, and when I was watching some videos about it, it they were calling it the Ugly Tuna Saluna, and it just sounds so funny. <laughs> I love it. So around 10 o'clock, so about an hour after they'd been at the bar, he called Alexis, and he talked to her for a little bit and told her he loved her and then said he was going to go back to hanging out with friends, and he hung up. Alexis was not actually in town this weekend. She, I believe, was with some family. So she was not around to go out with them that evening, which is why he only went out with Clint. Brian and Clint bar hop all around. They go to a bunch of different places in Columbus. And it is reported that at each bar they went to, they both had a shot of hard liquor. So you can imagine that they're getting a little tipsy. Around midnight, they meet up with their friend, Meredith Reed, and she was apparently more sober so they met up with her so that they could kind of have a ride so she ends up taking them back to the ugly tuna saluna. and when they get there they go inside and they're all having a drink and then around one or two o'clock in the morning the bar closes and Clint and Meredith are getting ready to go home but they can't find Brian anywhere so at first they're just assuming he's in the bathroom or talking to some people somewhere and they're just kind of waiting to see when the bar empties out to see if they see Brian anywhere. So they call him a couple times, but every time they called, it just, it wasn't unanswered. And then, you know, in the bars, they eventually like kick you out and say, you have to go. So it comes to that point where they're like, you have to go now. So they're all leaving the bar and they still can't find him anywhere outside. So they're like, he must've decided to just head home for some reason. And his apartment was only about six blocks from the bar. So it wasn't super far away. Would it have been out of character for him to leave without telling them, though? It would have. They said it was a little strange that he wouldn't have told them. But they just decided, you know, maybe he just decided he'd had too much to drink and just really wanted to go home. Once they look around for a little bit and decide that they really can't find him, Clint and Meredith decide that they're just going to go home as well. Did they s- stop at his apartment or anything? No. Okay. The next day, April 1st, 2006, Alexis had tried to call Brian in the morning, but her call would just go straight to voicemail. And she hadn't talked to Clint or Meredith yet, but she just assumed that maybe he was sleeping off a hangover. Alexis kept trying to call Brian throughout the day, but became really worried when she couldn't get a hold of him. When she couldn't get a hold of Brian, uh, towards the end of the day, she was getting really concerned. So she called Brian's dad, Randy, and said, can you go check Brian's apartment? So Randy goes over there, and when he gets there, he thinks everything looks pretty normal brian's car was there his bed was made which showed that maybe he hadn't slept in the bed last night
0: or he had made it and got up and left
1: walked somewhere yeah that's possible as well but the original thought was that randy had just was that he hadn't been there that night but it is possible that he just got up and walked off somewhere
0: i was just gonna say if the bar was in walking distance that means there's probably some other stuff around that's in walking distance Yeah,
1: I mean, it was a college town, so I would assume that there was definitely many things around. I'm assuming Brian wasn't there. Correct. Brian was not there. But Brian's wall and cell phone also were not there. So it could lead to the fact that He did just leave from his house. He'd slept there and then left that morning or he never made it home from the bar. Randy's pretty concerned at this point, but they decide to give it just another day or so because er, Brian is supposed to fly out on April 3rd with Alexis. And he's like, if he's not back by April 3rd, we need to be very concerned at that point. And turns out Brian does not show up by April 3rd. And Randy contacts the police and files a missing persons report.
0: It's always interesting in these kind of stories to listen to, like, how different people react to these situations. Because... April 1st was when they couldn't find him. So they were just going to wait till April 3rd.
1: Yeah. So it was Saturday that they couldn't find him. And then Monday is when they were flying out. So they were just going to kind of wait like a day or so. I'm not somewhere between the first and the third is when the uh, police, the missing person's report was actually filed. Okay. He is listed as missing on the first, but I don't know exactly what day they called. I know they just waited a little bit.
0: It sounds like maybe this was something Brian had done before, like kind of went incognito for a day or so it was not oh so that's the thing that i find strange
1: everybody's like this is totally unlike brian like he wouldn't just go off on his own especially without like alexis knowing but i think the mindset that randy had and maybe even alexis had was this is a situation where nothing bad could happen you know everybody kind of has that mindset like nothing bad like that would ever happen to me so i'm just imagining it i don't want to overreact i'm just going to kind of wait it out because there's no way that something this terrible is happening Immediately after receiving the missing persons report, police start to investigate and to see if they can find Brian anywhere. One of the first things that police do is they talk with friends, Clint and Meredith, and they say, you know, the last time we saw them was that morning around one, two o'clock in the morning before the bar closed. So police are like, all right. And they go to the bar and they're like, we're going to look at the security cameras. Abby, how do you think
0: this plays out? (sighs) You know, it's not worked out for us yet. It does
1: in this one. They found him? Yes. They had security footage works. They can see him and they know where he is in this situation. But did it give them the answers they needed? Not fully. (laughs) But the cameras worked, which is, you know what? That's a step up in our case. The only
0: other one I think that's happening is the Blair Adams in the hotel lobby. Yeah. But the cameras just always seem to fail us. Always. So cameras
1: work. They can see him, and they see Brian arrive around 1.15 with Clinton Meredith, and then around 1.55 a.m., they see him outside by himself, not with his friends, but he was talking with two women, and they said that he had, like, a conversation with them, and then it looked as if they said goodbye, and then he started heading back into the bar,
0: and the bar closed shortly after. Um, real quick, are the cameras just pointing outside the bar? Are there any inside? There are are they're at the exits of the bar.
1: I don't know that there's any inside the bar necessarily, but they are at the exits because I'm I'm going to say that in a second. So they they kind of just watch the footage, see the bar close, but they don't see him anywhere on the footage at all.
2: The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee, and you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code crimepod15. Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to FireDeptCoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way.
1: They check every exit on the camera and there's no evidence that he ever left this building. So police are keeping an eye on the footage. They're checking it. They even checked to see if there was a possibility that Brian had changed his clothing and left the ugly tuna saluna so that he could not be seen. But they did a lot of research and reviewing the footage, and they can say with 100% certainty that he did not leave through any of the exits that they could see. So I I assume they went and searched the bar? Yes, but one more thing with the cameras. There was one exit that the cameras did not cover Uh. because there was a ton of construction going on and it was like an exit door only it was like a service exit door so it is possible that he exited through there but they did go and investigate that area they looked around the construction site there was no evidence that brian had been in that area or that he'd been near the construction zone or at that door
0: is there a way to like definitively prove that though
1: no okay just that there was no evidence that he was there They also viewed the camera footage from nearby bars so that they could see if they could track Brian anywhere and see him, but he was not seen on any other camera footage. So the last time he was seen on camera was around 1.55 when he was talking to those girls outside of the Ugly Tuna saluna.
0: Must start taking a shot every time you say Ugly Tuna Saluna. Ugly Tuna Saluna. Because I think it's been about 10. It might have been. I would probably be done for. I think I just kind of like the
1: word. So that's why I like when I was typing my stuff out, I put it in there so many times. <laughs> yeah. Instead of just saying
0: the bar, you keep going to Ugly Tuna Saluna. Well, because they were at multiple bars. Yeah. I'm here for it. I'm
1: clarifying. Come on. When police were doing their investigation, they checked the nearby dumpsters. They checked the sewer system and just anything that they could around the area to see if there was any sign that Brian had ever been there. They could not find anything. They kept searching and investigating and looking into people that were close to Brian. So within a few months, they were like, all right, we're going to really start looking at Meredith Reed and William Clint
0: Florence. You know what this sounds like? Oh, I do. Lauren Spearer. I can see that. She went to a bar with friends and then mysteriously was gone. And you're kind of like, were the friends involved? Did something outside of their, you know, control happen? And this is what it's reminding me of. Or did a serial killer do it? Israel Keys? No, he was <laughs> dead. No, he was
1: alive. I guess it's possible it was Israel Keys, um, but I don't, I don't know that he was in the area at the time. We need to do some research. We will get on that. But I want you guys to keep in mind the fact that it is a possible serial killer because I'm going to tie that back in later.
0: You know, this is a little aside, but I was listening to a podcast today and they're talking about like serial killer profiles and they're talking about how Ted Bundy didn't fit any serial killer profile. And I was like, maybe for at the time for the idea of what serial killers were, but I think there's so many different personalities and personas that serial killers have. I don't think there's a certain type. So uh, you weren't on it, but I did do a
1: serial killer episode recently where I covered the different characteristics of serial killers. Right. And I think I put him in a category and I don't remember where I put
0: him. Yeah, I was saying like they were saying there's a general one for all serial killers and he was an outlier. And I was like, I don't know about that because I think there's a lot of chart. I mean... "Quote unquote," charming ones like no one suspected Israel Keys as being one. Yeah, I when I
1: did it, I put Ted Bundy and Israel Keys as an organized killer. I put them in the same mm-hmm. category, but I do think it's there are I think some category or some serial killers where it's like where would they fit because they kind of overlap with other things, but there's no one type. No, there's not. There's multiple types. So, like I said, they start looking at Meredith Reed and Clint Florence, and also at Brian's dad, Randy, and his brother, Derek. And they decide... How old was his brother? I'm not actually sure the age of Derek at the time of this. They decide to give a polygraph test to Brian, Derek, Meredith Reed, and Clint Florence. Brian and Derek pass their polygraph test. Meredith passes hers. Clint refuses to take one. And lawyers up. Hmm. A little
0: suspicious. That's what I thought. I was like... but. We know how those work. And yes. I would be super nervous to take one whether I was innocent or not as well.
1: I Yes. I I'd almost wonder if I would take one just because I know it's not admissible in court. So like, would I take it?
0: It's less fishy to just go ahead and take it as opposed to be like, no, 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 no.
1: Yeah. So Derek, Brian's brother, said, quote, I didn't know Clint very well, but I always thought something was off with him. The way he talked about my brother after he went missing was kind of in a negative way. I wouldn't expect that from someone whose friend vanished. End quote.
0: Huh. Well, did they ask Meredith if Clint was with her the whole time? So police, I mean, did they're investigating
1: as much as they could with Clint and they do not consider him a suspect, but they've
0: obviously not completely cleared him. Right. Well, you know, you would think he would have to be gone for a considerable amount of time that Meredith, you think, would would have noticed. You, yeah, you would think. Unless they were in on it together.
1: Over the years, police didn't really have any big leads that they could go and look into. But there were multiple tips that came in. So I'm just going to go through a couple of these tips, I guess. So someone named themselves I'm assuming it was pronounced Jesus, but it says Jesus. But they called and claimed that they knew what happened. And they said that, and this is 100% their telling of the story Brian was battered unconscious by two black men after a clash at the Ugly Tuna Saluna. Then, when Brian woke up, he had a big black p- in his mouth. And This guy said that they shot him in the head, burned his body, and then had sex with his ashes.
0: That was graphic. I know. Who
1: the hell would call and say that this is what happened to somebody?
0: Look, I know we're going to get into theories. And obviously, you can't rule out that some outside source was involved. But this is like... Insane? Did the person... I know we have his first name, but do we know actually who he is? No, not at all. Very interested in... if maybe something happened and part of that's true, B, maybe I guess it's all true, or C, this guy was just stirring shit up.
1: Yeah, so police investigated into it, and they realized that it was a complete hoax, and that there was absolutely no evidence that any of this had occurred, and whoever had called was just playing a joke.
0: You know, just as there's, like, sick people who are murderers, there's sick people who do that kind of stuff, you know? Interfere, and that's just...
1: Wrong, and... Yeah. So another tip that came in, a woman said that she had seen Brian in Atlanta, in Georgia. And then there was another one that called and said she was sure that he was in Sweden. So, you know, he's all over the country, all over the world, actually. And we see that frequently.
0: I think that's interesting when, like, people think they see people, or maybe they actually did, but, like, I almost wonder if there's any percentage on how often it's accurate or inaccurate, because I think there's times where I would like see celebrity in person and wouldn't know it too. You know what I mean? I think the percentage is very high on the
1: fact that it's mostly wrong. I also think that there's like a statistic on how many people in this world look exactly like you, like your doppelganger, or unquote. even similar. Yeah, even
0: just similar features. If you don't know someone and you've just seen a picture, you're not gonna like definitively know. And
1: exactly, and this is over multiple years, so he's gonna be changing over time. And you didn't see him in person, and you didn't like have a relationship with him, so it makes it definitely different when you're like, I think that that's so and so and whatever. I mean, even you and I, we go out in public and you're like, hey, isn't that somebody we went to high school with? And I'll be like, no, (laughs) but it kind of looks like so-and-so. There was another tip that came in, and this was from a young woman who was driving through Michigan, so kind of close to Ohio, and she'd stopped to eat at a diner. And the guy that was her waiter looked a lot like Brian, and his name tag even read Brian S., So, she obviously was like, I'm going to report this. She didn't ask the guy any questions. She just called the police. And they went to the diner later on to, like, ask the restaurant owner some questions. But apparently, the the owners were, like, really shy about the whole thing. And they acted a little strange and said that no one named Brian ever worked there. Huh. And then the police in Michigan apparently said that the waiter was not Brian. Oh, okay. (laughs) But... I was like, when I read the restaurant owner part, I'm like, they acted weird about it? Like, why don't you just say no?
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's this person, this police are asking you if it's somebody, you just say yes or no. I- or say you can talk to them, like, here's their contact exactly. info. That's interesting, but if the police ruled it out, then.
1: The Michigan police did rule it out. So unless this entire town of Michigan is in on Brian's secret, then I think it's probably safe to say that it was not him.
0: Right. And I do want to say, too, like, kudos to that lady for recognizing and calling. And, you know, earlier we said people call and it might not be them. It's better to at least play it safe than sorry.
1: I am curious, though, if she saw his name tag and it said Brian S., what did it actually say if there was no Brian that worked there?
0: Huh. I didn't even think about that. That's the part that stood out to me, too. I was like... Maybe she misread it or there's some, something happened. Yeah, I don't know. I mean... Maybe he was like wearing it, some old name tag from people before, like you know people do that. Like, yeah, I've I've worked places where they're like, here, give me your name tag to wear today. Like they think it's funny, so that's possible.
1: Brian's girlfriend Alexis called his phone every night before she went to bed, hoping that he would answer. But every night it, the phone call would just go straight to voicemail. I would assume it's dead somewhere. However, oh. In September of 2006, so about six months after he disappeared, the phone rang before going to voicemail.
0: Okay, but is that like a glitch? Because sometimes that happens. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We've done a lot of these. Sometimes I can't even fake it. I just
1: (laughs) guessed. (laughs) Rude, you built, like, got rid of my suspense. But yes, it was. Supposedly. The police, like looked into and they pinged the phone to a tower in hilliard which is about 14 miles away from columbus but they decided they're like it just had to have been a glitch because it never rang again it was just that one time and they described it as like this tower was sending out the signal looking for the phone and when they did that was why it rang but it for whatever reason and other times it just went straight to voicemail i don't understand the technology behind a phone
0: so is it possible that it was the phone could have been in hilliard though like did they go look around they kind of looked i mean where do you even go to look there but
1: yeah i mean they did their best to see where that lead could go but they never found it and they never found him and The phone, like I said, never rang again. It always just went to voicemail after this. But I can't even imagine the like hope that that gave Alexis as it was like ringing and ringing and ringing, and she's just like, "Is he gonna answer? Is he gonna?" Like, I feel like that would just be heartbreaking to hear that voicemail come at the end of that again. Brian's dad, Randy, constantly was involved in the investigation. He did not stop looking for Brian, but in september of 2008 so about two and a half years after brian had disappeared there was a large storm that had gone through brandy's neighborhood and he went outside to try to clear some debris and he ended up being struck by a falling tree and died on september
0: 14th 2008 this family really went through it
1: and i just feel so bad for Derek because his mom died two and a half years ago his brother disappeared a month after and now his dad's passed away Randy's obituary was online, and friends and family members were posting their, like, comments and, like, tributes and all their stuff, you know, as you can, about Randy. But three days after his death, a tribute appeared on the website that said, quote, Dad, I love you, signed Brian. And it was from the U.S. Virgin Islands. Could they trace, like, any further? They did. Turns out that was another hoax. a nah,
0: bad feeling about that. Which just
1: pisses me off. People are, ugh, people suck. It is his funeral. It is, it is, somebody died. The father of this missing person died. And you want to just go and make a joke out of this? Like, turns out that it actually came from a computer in Franklin County, Ohio. And I hope that they found the person that did
0: it. And they were able to, like, reprimand them somehow. Because that is just so shitty. I can't imagine that's. There's any laws against it, but can we at least, like, make their name public and tell everyone what they did so then everybody gets mad at them? Can we also list their address, maybe? (laughs) But also maybe make a law about this, because that's just ridiculous. Well, it could be
1: hindering an investigation. Yeah, could. Because it kind of sent them to Virgin Islands. So, I've given you really all the information. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of evidence here. No, there's, like, nothing. He was at this bar, and then he wasn't. So couple theories that are out there. And I'm actually going to go through like eight, nine theories. There are eight posted on the Find Brian Schaefer Facebook page. And then I think I have one extra.
0: All right. So I think what I'll do is let you go through them. And then I'll give you my opinions and thoughts on some of them.
1: Okay. So first one, that Brian somehow was a victim inside the bar. Something happened. There's some sort of foul play. And inside the Ugly Tuna saluna Something happened and maybe his body is still in the building. Didn't they check it? They did, but maybe they somehow missed it. okay i I don't know. I know there's an escalator in this bar, so I don't know. an escalator yeah, like an escalator like an escalator like an up and a down escalator like the stairs that move the escalator. <laughs>
0: I've just not seen a bar with an escalator, so I apologize for saying escalator 80 times, but that's just... For those of you that don't know what an escalator is, it's stairs that move up and down. That you see at, like, airports or in the mall or Mongo, like, event centers, not... Yes,
1: and he, in the security footage, he's seen on an escalator in this bar. Okay. The second one is that he decided to head home. To go to his apartment, and he left the ugly tuna saluna, and somehow somebody snatched him, and there was some sort of foul play. Now, with this one, this is the one where I'm going to throw in the fact that at this time the smiley face killer was active, and he was known to throw bodies into water that was nearby, and so it's possible and theorized that maybe the smiley face killer came across Brian that night and killed him. I will be honest, Abby and I have the smiley face killer on our list of people to cover. We have not looked into it a whole ton, though, so I don't have a whole lot of information about their psyche or anything like that, or even their MO or anything, so keep an eye out. We'll probably cover them soon, but that is a theory, is that maybe that was somehow involved. Another thing is maybe he somehow was involved in a drug deal, and there was some sort of foul play that happened there. Was he known to do drugs? No. Okay. So that one's kind of out there, but it's possible that maybe something had happened. Maybe he had seen a drug deal going on and just kind of got wrapped up in it. The other one is maybe he is buried somewhere near the ugly tuna saluna in like concrete area or in trees and something had happened. Somebody had killed him and buried him right there. There's... Also the possibility that maybe he would planned to escape, like he had planned to start a new life somewhere, and so he decided to just leave on his own and disappear. Police did check with the airport to make sure that that ticket to fly to Florida was never used, and it was not used. So if he did decide to leave, it would have either had to been a different plane ticket, but there was no evidence that he'd ever flown anywhere else. They did not find that anywhere. But a lot of people speculate that maybe the loss of his mom had kind of caused some stress and so he decided to leave there was also some theories that maybe he was questioning the degree that he was or the thing that he was studying and that maybe this dream to become a doctor was actually his mom's plan for him and not something that he necessarily wanted and so he felt like he needed to just get out of there and start over The other theory, maybe he decided to leave and start a new life um, because he was possibly questioning his sexuality. I think that we did, like, that theory comes up on, like, every case that we come across, So because that comes up in the Bryce Laspiza case when I look into it. So I think that that's just a theory that a lot of people go towards. The one thing that was a little strange that kind of, like, leads to maybe he started a new life is shortly before this, he had posted on social media saying, quote, I really love music, and this whole doctor thing is really just a job. Only temporary until I get my band together and put out a record I want to own an island someday or at least a beach so I can listen to Buffett all day and drink margaritas with my senorita oh I love a Buffett fan he was a Buffett fan so that's a theory maybe he decided to just up and leave because he knew how to play guitar he loved playing guitar maybe he left started playing guitar somewhere and he's living on a beach maybe he's in the Bahamas I like that's just a theory that people have I don't know There's also the theory that maybe he did try to leave the bar to go home and when he did he accidentally or somehow went out that service door near the concrete construction crew area and he fell into the concrete or into the construction area and somehow died and the construction crew is covering it up because he might have gone like out of bounds and they're concerned about a lawsuit so they covered it up. There's also the theory that florence did it obviously i mean he refused to take the polygraph he lawyered up it's possible he was a drug user and so that could have even linked into the theory that somehow you got like mixed up in a bad drug deal or something and he was also one of the last people to see brian which obviously is always a big sign to look into them the last theory is that maybe Brian did plan to escape and had been planning to like go start a new life somewhere. And he had kind of talked this over with Clint and Clint helped him escape, which is why he refused to take the polygraph. So those are my theories.
0: Abby, I know you just wrote down a bunch of notes, so feel free to respond. Yeah, a couple comments. I'm going to start with the Clint one just because was we're right at the end of that. For me, I don't see the involvement just for the fact that I think it would have been been noticeable if he was gone unless meredith was involved but i feel like she wouldn't notice and he said the cops ruled him out the only thing i could think of
1: is if maybe brian was like i'm gonna leave the bar i'm gonna meet you here you and meredith go home and then clint you meet me here because then it gives him some sort of an alibi
0: right but with that goes into my other thought about him just leaving i mean i obviously don't know brian personally but if you have concrete plans like go on vacation you're in this committed relationship that people think you're going to get married or proposed and he's you know doing school and stuff it seems weird to just leave and he could up and go do a music career without just like causing all his family the stress that they went through.
1: I, I agree with that. I think that that's just always a theory people go back to is like, maybe they up and left on their own. But and I know we've talked about that before, where I think that that hinders investigations when people just automatically assume or like decide maybe they left
0: on their own. Right. The construction one, I don't see. If someone wanders into a construction site and gets hurt, I can imagine that there's already some type of legal document in place that holds them not liable for that. And plus, I would just hate to think that, it like, a construction crew, like, that many people would be that terrible to just cover it up. I mean, don't, I don't know. But I would like to think that there would be at least one decent person in that mix. You would think, but
1: I mean, we mentioned Lauren Spear earlier, and one of the theories with that is that she went to a party and somehow died, and then everybody at the party covered it up. Correct.
0: That doesn't mean it's true.
1: No, I I know. But a lot of people will theorize that. And I just always, I, I was agreeing with you that I don't think it's like possible. And we've just, we discussed that with Lauren where we're like, in a group that big, there's yeah. got to be somebody that would break down and come forward. Especially
0: if like, I mean, specifically with Lauren Spear, like, that's a bunch of college kids. It's not like you're in this like mob or gang or something like, you know, where there is a lot of violence and crime. Typically, it's not a common occurrence. What I had wrote down earlier in the episode, and it kind of goes along wh- with one of the theories, is like maybe something happened accidentally. I'd written down hit and run. Like maybe he left the bar and like someone hit him on accident, and killed him and hit his body. Or maybe he was in a fight and accidentally it got taken too far and they hit his body. So if you've seen I Know What You Did Last Summer,
1: the hit and run and hiding the body does not work well. <laughs> It's a good movie. I recommend it. Great movie. But I could see that being possible. I just, I like, to me, it's just so insane to think that somebody could accidentally murder somebody and hide the body, and then almost 15 years later, the body still not be found.
0: I mean, unless they just, like, took it far away to a place where, you know, nobody would even think to look, like, yeah, like, well, let's be honest, like, if someone goes missing in Columbus, Ohio, you're not going to look at this nothing town and, like, or five states over, you know? It's just not feasible for somebody to actually look, to be able to check all the places. I think the only reason that
1: I ever struggle with that one is because there's so many serial killers out there that, like, get caught because they don't hide the body properly, and then this person just randomly doesn't hide the body. I'm not saying it's impossible. I just
0: always, I think my brain struggles with seeing that. Well, there's, and it's a possibility that, you know, if somebody gets hurt, even if their body's not gained dumped somewhere else, but they go somewhere else and die, like, And it gets found and they can't ID it. It's a, you know, John Doe, Jane Doe, and those don't all go on the Doe Network. Like, you don't know about all those. It could get lost in in all the files. And, you know, I think for me in this case, the most logical is that either something like that happened or it sounds like to me some type of accident happened. Unless like a serial killer, he just wrong place, wrong time. But it seems like someone else has to be involved.
1: Yeah, I I agree with the fact that somebody else has to be involved, whether or not it was an accident. A part of me does kind of lean towards the construction crew. And I know you weren't necessarily agreeing with that one. And But my theory with that one would be that maybe like the shift lead or somebody showed up early in the morning to work and discovered it. and Or, you know, the manager or something and they hit it. So like only one person's in on it or two people are in on it and not the whole crew because of fear of lawsuit which is crappy if that's what it is and this is one of those cases of which i don't say this often but this is one of those cases where i'm like maybe he did go off to start a new life i don't i don't know i do know the family said that there was never like any evidence that he'd ever wanted to start a new life or any evidence that he would just like walk off or any sort of self-harm or anything
0: yeah i just i can't buy into that one personally yeah so whatever
1: you guys think happened I mean leave your theories below we love when you guys comment on our stuff and tell us your theories or whatever questions you have or comments we love it so I just want to give a little bit of a profile on Brian so he was 27 at the time of the accident in 2006 so he'd be like 41 maybe 42 depending on his birthday during this time in 2021 he had brown hair hazel eyes he was six foot two inches tall He weighed 160 to 165 pounds. He was male and his race was white. He had scars and marks on him. And then he had a Pearl Jam tattoo on his upper right arm and then has a dot in the iris of his left eye. So there's a couple markers that are pretty indicative of it being him. So if you have any sort of information, if you think that you've seen him, if you know anything about this case, you can call your local FBI office and reference case report number MP number 1709. You can also call and leave an anonymous tip at 1-877-645-8477.
2: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found.